0: Welcome into the sixth episode of the Dinky Dink Bungalow Podcast, where three friends can kick back, relax, and dream, and talk about our favorite band, Twiddle. My name is Lauren and I'm here with my two amazing co-hosts.
1: Hi, I'm Jeremy.
0: Hi, I'm Alex. In today's episode, we are going to dive into Jeremy's choice of a Twiddle show on nugs from May 21st to 2016 at the Susquehanna Breakdown Festival in Scranton, Pennsylvania. This show is a late night set starting after midnight and the boys laid it on heavy. So twist one up and blaze it down as we enter to a lovely patch of grass in a land far away and talk all things Twiddle.
2: So this week in Twiddle news, we have one really big announcement, which is Twiddle is releasing their new album on Friday, August 13th. It'll probably be out by the time this episode is released, and I know we are all long-awaiting this album, so maybe we'll talk about it next podcast episode. Uh, Mahali also released a new album called Affection. It is featuring a lot of very prominent reggae artists and also some other artists, including the Kitchen Dwellers, which is wonderful. Um, definitely check it out if you haven't already. It has some great artwork by Danny Steinman. Also, be sure to look into Norb's new side projects. Some of that, those will be playing at Lawn Con Festival. We'll also be playing a couple other around the Northeast, so make sure to look that one up and maybe try and make it for a few of those. I'm sure it's going to be very cool and very spacey.
0: Hey, Alex, I had a lot of fun at our my first weekend back in New England at our two nights in Westport. Oh, man. Oh, man.
2: You knew from the first note of Honeyburst that it was going to be a fantastic weekend. And yeah, I definitely hope we can dive into it deeper if the shows get released on Nugs, which I hope they do. But they opened up the first night with Honeyburst, which is just, you know, they haven't played it yet with Adrian in, in the band. So um, that was great. And then, of course, my other highlight was Brick of Barley with a little bit of laughable butane bob in there. Um, and Nightwood, night one definitely stood out to me oh yeah what did you think
0: Lauren yeah night one definitely took it away although I had so much fun night too it was such a like party sing-along dance party Jeremy you watched on the stream
1: yeah I got that little watch party a couple friends came over so we had a pretty good time just watched along first night was definitely the the highlight for me as well brick of barley I'm never gonna tire of hearing that one so it was really really nice to hear them bust that out and Honey burst again, like you mentioned for the first time with Adrian. Both of those were fantastic to hear. And second night with all the Eggy guys again, amazing, such a fun time. I'm sure everyone in that crowd, with you guys, was having getting the fuck down. I know I was at home, so
0: it was crazy how seamless the transition was from Eggy, from Twiddle to Eggy back to Twiddle. I mean, it was just like I watched it happening, but I was I couldn't even hear it happening because it was so smooth, like.
1: Yeah, so, so smooth, and I think that, that definitely lends credit both to all the Aggie boys and their ability to, you know, just play their instruments so proficiently, and also just twiddle being able to have the sit-ins come in and cycle out when they need, so really impressive on all accounts, and definitely sounded amazing from the couch.
2: It was a good time, I have to say. I definitely left wanting more, and yeah, it was kind of like one of the only really big total weekends of the summer. It, at least for me, and I feel like I haven't really missed that many shows. So it felt really special because the last, you know, show of the summer is Labor Day weekend, and that's, you know, the next one, which is a solid month apart. So good times took in every moment.
1: As did I from home.
0: There was a Daydreams Farmer's Table, which was really nice, and uh, Dr. Remedies got to vend for the first time at a total event, so that was really cool. One more thing. The Love a Duck Cleanup. Thank you to everyone who helped out, supported the White Light Foundation, cleaned up after the show. I mean, it was spotless. It was really, it's special that like our community does that because it was kind of gross. And it's just nice to pick up some trash at the end of the night. So thanks for participating in the Love a Duck Cleanup.
1: <laughs> yeah, but today we're talking about another amazing night of music from a festival. However, not a twiddle festival. So this was actually a late night set. Like Lauren mentioned in the beginning, this was from five twenty one sixteen. So that's May twenty first in two thousand sixteen. This was super late night. They didn't actually get on the stage until around twelve thirty. From at least that's when they were scheduled to get on. So knowing the band, probably closer to twelve forty five. Definitely seemed they threw down. They knew that everyone was here, and those who were going to actually show up this late at night were probably there to have a good time and. This wasn't a time to take it easy, and they definitely didn't take it easy on the crowd, so I'm pretty excited to dive into this one. Um, It was a late-night show, like I said, and it was also May in Pennsylvania, so I'm assuming it got down kind of chilly at night. Maybe not quite cold, but cool enough that you got to work yourself up a little bit of a sweat to actually stay warm. The show also was the opening show of the Festively Plump Summer Tour, a fantastic 2016 summer tour. The band hit a lot of summer festivals that year, they well, was the year of the first Tumble Down as well. So lots of great highlights throughout this whole summer tour. And this was the kickoff to it all. And they definitely got it started with a bang. And right off the top, speaking of starting with a bang, we got this nice little intro.
0: Thanks for not skipping that. That was like, it's always, you know, when you see intro on notes, it's like, all right, what's about to happen on there?
1: <laughs> and this film is actually very entertaining, at least for me, just listening because throughout the whole show, at least for the first three songs, they get they finally figured out a little later. But Brooke was having some monitor issues. Which basically means he was having trouble hearing the rest of the band when he was playing, and maybe even hearing himself to an extent. So you can clearly hear him trying to fiddle with that a little bit in the beginning while the rest of the band is getting their instruments warmed up and he's just yelling at Danny backstage, trying to figure out put this up, put this lower. Well, Holly's I can't hear. just doing no, I quick,
0: quick shred.
1: <laughs> well, Holly's it um yeah, he's just like, you know. Warming up the fingers, warming up the board.
0: Well, it's a nice quick
2: shred. And then I felt like Wildfire opened up like super tight, you know, like because of that. Very
1: tight, shred. very yeah. tight. And Fair I have enough. to say right off the bat, there's immediately within the first opening notes of Wildfire, you can hear the reason I particularly love this show, which is actually that Mahali's tone in this show is just so searing hot, just overdriven, blast you away, just some plasma beams coming off of a guitar and I love it and you can this is one of the few shows that I think I can identify any of these songs in this exact version the minute I hear it just because of the tone that's being played because it is this very unique I don't know what was going on this night but I love it and I'm all here for it and I, definitely the reason I think this has always imprinted on me so strongly
2: yeah I honestly, even though Brooke was having some troubles, I did feel like his vocals sounded pretty good. Like, I felt like his voice sounded solid, to me at least. I really don't like hearing this song, Wildfire, all that much. But this is a version that I would listen to again. Probably a combo of the guitar.
0: And I felt like Brooke was doing well. Wildfire is one of my favorite Brooke songs, actually, Like out of all of them. Not my absolute favorite i think but one of them and i feel like it was really calm his vocals were really solid and then mahali really really let it loose right in the beginning it was amazing like i thought it was gonna be a relaxing start and it actually ended up being a shredder so
1: yeah i like i also really like mahali's uh backing vocals, his kind of monotone, almost super low in the low end, low in the mix. I feel like, you know, when Brooke would sing songs, Mahali definitely did a decent amount of backing vocals, but it's kind of rare to hear these very, very subdued. I was, I almost couldn't tell it was him for the little bit, but it was definitely nice to hear and it was a good counterpoint.
2: I liked that too. Yeah,
1: Definitely great, great solo from Mahali there at the end.
2: Yeah, it was a good solo. And it wasn't like, it was one of the few in the whole show, which is what I liked about the show. Um, I felt like this show was not held up by Mahali solos and obviously we're going to get into it, but yeah, nice little solo at the beginning. And then the rest of the show was pretty, like, I felt like all of them were sort of the MVPs. So
1: it was, it was very equal, equal jamming all around and a lot of, a lot of interplay.
0: Every song I picked a new MVP, literally. <laughs> <laughs> yep.
1: Yeah, so starting off with Daydream Farmer right off the bat here, you know, we get our nice little warm-up wildfire. Everyone's getting their legs stretched. Mahali's getting his fingers warmed up. And then they jump right into a Daydream Farmer that has, in hindsight, these days, become known as Nightmare Farmer, at least to some people, myself included.
0: Yeah, Jeremy, who made that up? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, don't
1: who, I don't know who made that up, but I heard it. It stuck with me, and, like, it... It's one of those things that you hear it and then you hear the song and you're like, okay, this makes sense. Because it doesn't It doesn't quite have like a full-on evil twiddle vibe, but it is definitely a different spin on the song that I'm used to hearing. Definitely in a darker direction.
2: Very ambient, a little slow. Um, I feel like the jam started out with Norb kind of coming in pretty spicy there. Oh, yeah. So I quite like that. Um, and some Mahali's super, super tight riff there.
0: Mahali's guitar was so distorted.
1: Like, it's really, really, yeah. I think it's just like super. There's definitely a very high. I think it's really overdriven, honestly. Like it really punches too. Like it's there's a lot going on. You can hear each like finger movement, but it's not sharp at all. Like it pierces, but it's not sharp.
0: I am wrote in my notes that we were entering a portal to a dark but light jammy funky universe. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly, because it feels it feels dreamy, but it still feels dark. Hence the nightmare. Like it, it is, yeah. it is kind of this weird like ambient you it's really easy to zone out to it and watch the clouds flow by, but then also very quickly, the crowds are forming into some shapes maybe you don't want to see. So it's like this weird kind of quality.
0: Even though it was heavy, it was like spaced in like a light, fragile way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I loved it. I mean, they shifted, you know, there was that launch off point like seven or eight minutes in, which I think you had just touched on and really started going there. Gub started getting really loud in the mix for a while as they like kind of shifted more into this minor jam when they started getting kind of evil with it.
2: Then around like 12 minutes, Mahali kind of hits that like bouncier riff. I can't like, remember it in my head, but it starts to get, yeah. The word that I said was bouncy. And that was like really the only thing I can think of, but it was nice.
1: I really like the grooves they were getting into. There was a lot of grooving for Mahali versus these kind of shreddy, peaky, jumping out in front solos.
0: Exactly. Really
1: interplaying with A lot of him playing with the sound of the guitar and him playing with kind of little riffs and Norb swells on the synths. There's a okay. lot actually. I noticed this show has a lot of interplay, but directly between Gub and um, Mahali, which I feel like I don't hear as often. You know, a lot of times Mahali and Norb are throwing things back and forth, and Norb and Gub are throwing things back and forth. But it's less so often that you hear directly interplay between those two. So, really cool.
2: Yeah, and then they kind of go back into that more ambient vibe um, after that bouncy riff, and it just sounded so tight. Like, and that the thing that really I think this whole show did a great job with is just like yeah, Mahali's playing these grooves, and then the band is playing around it. It's not the peaks, and that's not what it's about. Like, it's not about what, okay, we're here to see Mahali. Like, we're here to see Twiddle. Yeah, I
0: like that. I like that term, the grooves, because I feel like that was consistent throughout the whole show, and, like, I kept getting lost in the songs, and I was like, oh, my God, I needed to be paying more attention to that. Had to rewind, re-listen to it again, because it's just so easy to get lost in it. And I can imagine, like, Last weekend in Westport, I, like, looked at Alex, and I was, like, I miss the mist, and she was, like, polluted beauty, Lauren, like, get with it. Like, I was lost. I got lost in it, and I feel like this is a show that, like, even in my car I got lost in, so I can't even imagine actually being there. It's, like, wait, they're playing Daydream Farmer right now, like, thought we were in on
1: Saturn. <laughs> yeah, I mean you can hear that in the jam too. It almost sounds like the band forgets what they're playing for a little bit. They started slowing down for a while. And then Norb is almost on this like sounded like a clav, but it's not. It's before he had the clav in there. Super funky key sounds. And then Mahali threw on, I think it's I think he has a mutron, not a Qtron, but there are these touch waz, which is what's commonly associated with Jerry Garcia's guitar tone. But it's super, super drippy. And he basically has this on several times throughout the show. And this is the first time he does it at the very end of Daydream Farm. And he keeps it on as they slowly work back into Daydream. And it has this very dreamy vibe as they kind of pull you back into it. And he's add then, you know, takes off the Mutron, lays on the Daydream Farmer riff, and you're just right back at the end of the song.
0: But he still has that, like, distorted guitar. So it's, like, confusing. It's like, are you going to go back to your normal guitar sound or are you just going to keep playing this weird sound? That's fun, mm-hmm. but still, it's like...
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think I think this whole show he does not have a guitar tone that I would associate with Mahali's normal guitar tone. Mm-hmm. Even for around this time, I mean this doesn't sound like the guitar he's using. And I've seen videos I know he's using his DGN guitar in this in these songs, but it sounds way more like his earlier tone from the Becker or something. It really does have a little bit more of a piercing tone to it and
0: You think he has like um a filter on it?
1: Oh, he definitely has a lot of pedals going through the guitar. Like I said, he has definitely has the Mutron you're hearing at the very end there, but he has. But like,
0: why? Why is he doing it for this show? Just because it's late? Night it honestly might just him? be
1: small a small amp setting that got changed. I mean, it's not like his tone isn't completely different. It's just there's something turned up.
0: So you think it was an accident?
1: I don't know. It could have been completely intentional. But if it is intentional, I, I want him to go back to it. If he knew <laughs> what he did, please do it again.
2: I just like kept thinking to myself. I was like, okay, like. How does this jam relate to the lyrics in this song? Because that's what I always like to think about. And I just kept thinking, like, can't stop the sky from falling down. Like, shit, it's going to fall down. Like, the universe is literally exploding right now. And, like, you can't stop it. So It's here crazy we are. you
0: said that, Alex, because when I was listening to it for, like, I probably listened to this dra- Daydream Farmer, like, seven times in the past week or two. Like, because I just kept restarting the show and not listening all the way through. So, like, this was the one I listened to so many times. And today, when I listened to it again, "Can't stop this guy from falling down" is what stood out to me, and I was like, "Can't fucking stop it! <laughs> like it's <laughs> coming down, whether you like it or not."
1: I mean, speaking of the lyrics, like Mahali's vocals on this, especially coming back into that refrain at the very end, were just like so good. Like it's it's another one of the reasons this song is always one of my favorite versions. This this particular version of this song is just, I mean, the the music musicianship is flawless, but the vocals are just as strong.
2: So, I felt the same way because it's sort of like he's not, like, doing it in that sing-songy voice. He's, like, telling you. He's like, can't stop this guy from falling down. So, I don't know what to tell you, but here we are. <laughs> and now, we're going to kick it into high gear with this freaking Apples. Oh! In the first three songs, we get so much total diversity. Like, we get all of it.
1: Yeah, and that opening section of Apple's, like the actual compose, lyrics, singing, it's flawless. Like, it's all perfect. It's what you want to hear out of the song. It is perfect from start until that uh, instrumental, you know, little duo section, the little, as I call it, the contact section of the song. Um, but yeah, completely flawless all the way through.
0: And I want to give Gub MVP for this song. Agreed. And that... Like, I feel like we don't usually get a gub dump during Apples, or am I, like, am I totally locked right now? <laughs> like, that was that was fun to have that there, and the, let's, let's talk about that, but, like, coming back in after the gub dump was, like, whoa, Mahali's just, like, I'm here, <laughs> like, everyone, don't forget about me.
2: Well, I love that it was, like, a mashup of a gub dump and, like, norb alien noises. Like, I just loved their interplay.
1: Yeah, that was sick. I had written down in my Nor- it's, uh Alien Synth Norb, because there was definitely yeah. a lot of that going on in this song. And I also had written down that there was that really cool funk immediately into a gub dump, unnoted, not something that happens very often. So
2: yep. 100% agree so, with both of you there. So fast-paced, too. I was just like, okay, okay, okay. I yeah. like apples. Oh, my god.
1: And I love, I love the tone <laughs> that Gub uses, especially at the beginning of his solo here, where it's just like, yeah. Swampy, oozy, deep bass. You know, he goes back into that. You know, very primacy sounding slap bass. But I love that deep swamp, and he brings it out again several times throughout the show. So I just think he was feeling yeah. that that tone, and I, I'm definitely here for it in this song.
0: Yeah,
1: and it's just cool hearing something a little, little different than the standard, you know, wah funk. And even though they started off with that funk, like and brought it back at the end, kind of having like a different things thrown in there, the alien noise, you know, Norb and heavier Gub was really really cool.
2: Definitely felt the same way. I like, (laughs) I wrote in my notes, maybe I should take a little less next time, except I'm dead sober right now. So that's how I felt. I really felt like I was just like tripping a little
1: bit. Yeah. So another bold statement I'm about to make here, which might, you know, get me into some trouble in some community. This show I've always compared to in my head, not necessarily from any sort of musicianship standpoint, but just compared show wise with the infamous slash famous Sunshine Daydream show, of The Grateful Dead in 72. That show is unique in the sense that all the instruments are getting warped by the sun. It has a controversial possible history with the band being highly dosed because of the heat and the only thing available was dosed Kool-Aid. No one knows that these stories are necessarily true. What you do know, however, is that the tone of that show is 100% unique and you know it when you hear it. And it gives the whole show just kind of weird, slightly off, slightly different, and extremely more psychedelic sound. And not even the jams themselves, just the tones of the instrument. And that's one hundred percent what I feel on this show too, which is that every every member of the band, every single member, all four of them, are leaning into their instruments in a tonal way that's very different, and they're getting more out of their instruments that you can just immediately tell it's this show because there's some combination going on there. It just works like magic. One hundred percent. If
0: I'm at that level where I could feel that if i just listen to the show but maybe i'm just not maybe i gotta get back on the vibrational level (laughs) i love that after this did Mahali play a little time of our lives jam was that what he's playing like i heard
1: what i got by sublime but maybe but i i I can go back and listen it definitely had a 90s guitar riff i
0: heard
1: Which also sounds... Actually, now that you sing that, that sounds exactly like the one I got riff kind of too. So honestly, it might be some combination of either one of those. But yeah, Brooke finally got his in-ears working. So like, you know, it's about to get some good jams. And they jump right into the doink a
0: Here's how I feel about the doink jam. If heaven is real and I'm walking like up the stairway to heaven, like this is the song they better be playing.
1: <laughs> I love that.
0: Wow. It was that beautiful to me. Like, and also... Like, the alien Norb came out in this, and I think the aliens are probably on the way to heaven, too.
2: <laughs> I felt like I really liked the sort of, like, gentle, sweet guitar that happened for a second. That was the word that I kept coming back to for that first guitar riff that Mahali was playing. It was just, like, this gentle, sweet thing that, like, lulled you into a deeper
0: trance. To heaven. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I just love that when they slowed down like the beginning of the song little jam into it all flawless fantastic mm-hmm. you can hear the band members singing Mahali singing strongly you can hear a little bit of guv in there not as much as these days when it comes to this song but a little bit in the mix vocals sounded good and then when they slowed down to get to this kind of little jam section I think you were just mentioning and Brooke give a little tingles on like the wind chimes. Yes. I love them.
0: Sometimes I feel like Brooke just plays a little too heavy on the symbols. Like, yeah, symbols are the right choice right now, but you're playing it a little too fat. And like, I just feel like he was so light and delicate this time.
1: Yeah. It sounded, it sounded great to me.
0: I will be listening to this joink again.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's so much to listen to. Like even in the middle of it, there's like, they still, like I said, they slow down, but then immediately after that, Mahalia starts ramping it back up. And they bring it back down again, and they go back up again, and they bring it back down again. So it's like there's definitely a lot of little waves in there. And they had, like, that nice little in deep in the middle, super quiet and slow jam with a lot of Nord and uh, Mahali interplay with each other. It sounded really cool.
2: Yeah, Mahali kind of went back to that bouncy guitar kind of riff again. I felt, like, again, like they're, they're just, like, mashing it all up. Like, it's so good. Like, they're, like everyone stands out.
1: And something at the end that needs to definitely be noted, because I don't think I've really noticed this that much until recently, but in the very end of this, Mahali's actually looping himself, which he does not do often at all. Really? I mean, the people in the Twiddles scene definitely know from his solo shows, but this style of looping is very, very associated with Trey and Fish, which is he'll, he literally plays one note and holds out a sustain, and then he's sustaining oh, it for a while, and he loops wait. just that one sustain. And I you can totally notice like, that there's a tiny little dip in the sustain. That's a little, a little tiny little imperfection, and you can start hearing it coming around on a regular basis. While he's playing really light riffs over it, and the whole band's kind of rippling out in these very dreamy, light that. Yeah. flutters. It was
0: beautiful.
1: <laughs> and then while he's doing that, he plays, you know, places his really, really gorgeous tone over it. And then he plays, you know, what I like to call the riff for Mahali. It always reminds me of Jessica from the Almond Brothers, or. Yes. a little bit of maybe even like eyes of the world or something it's something he's he's pulled some sort of riff from somewhere and i hear it all he uses it in a bunch of different jams and songs he does this one one's yeah. particularly gorgeous and it's slow and it just works really perfect with the jam and then brooke brings it back up and we're at the end of doink i'm
0: telling you this is a doink i'm going to come back to for the next 50 years of my life
1: yeah <laughs> every, single, every single song on this show is one of my top three to five versions like they're they're all fantastic Except for maybe Caterpillar, but we'll get to that later.
0: Okay, that's But right. <laughs> Indigo Trigger was a groovy intergalactic party.
1: Dance this is this party. might be my favorite indigo. I love this I love this indigo. Especially because not only is this an indigo, this is an indigo box pairing. A fantastic mm-hmm. segue that doesn't get done enough and is just some
0: They don't play Indigo that much. Like it's just not it doesn't come up in the set lists. They used to play it more. They don't play it as much anymore, though. In 2016,
2: they were playing it a lot, though, I felt like.
1: Yeah, it was definitely pretty, pretty heavy in the rotation at that point. I agree. I can. I, yeah. I remember that, too.
2: Now I don't really hear it anymore, and I kind of miss it. But at the time, I was pretty sick of it back in 2016, I remember. But this one, it was perfect because it was an actual dance party leading into the box, which is like you know the ultimate dance party, besides Dunkin' Bunk, maybe.
1: I loved what Mahali was doing really early on in Indigo when he was doing that. You know, he does it a lot. He does it in most Indigo jams where he's doing this kind of pitch shift, um, almost like a, I call it a screech pedal, but it's not a screech pedal. I think it's a pitch shift where he's kind of like, almost sounds like Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine, just very screechy up and down swells. um, And it just sounded really, really cool. And it paired really well with Nord bringing all these crazy sounds and Gub bringing the swampy vibes and just really, really cool.
0: Swampy vibes, I like that, Jeremy.
1: That that's what it sounded like. Gub is this is I call this I call this Gub Swamp Gub. There's there's several Swamp Gub shows. This is one of
0: why, them. Why why does he do that sometimes and not other times? I was actually I don't know. That I
1: way. mean, I think it's I think I, I personally kind of like the tone variety. You never really know what you're gonna get at a show, but I do think this is my favorite. So if he happened to do but this like, every show, I would not complain.
0: He could pull this out for like a few songs or like a song and put it away. Like he doesn't have to play like that the whole show.
1: Yeah, I think it's, I don't know how much of this is also as his pedal board and his tone repertoire has shifted over the years, kind of things things he's gotten into a little more. Because I do hear this occasionally, but not nearly as much as 2016, 2017. He was laying really heavy into these sounds, and it was really cool.
0: A special late night set situation.
1: Yeah, they, I mean, yeah, this is like dance party, Gub. This is Gubstep.
0: <laughs> I like that. <laughs>
1: this this indigo fantastic i mean there's that riff in the middle speaking of gub that he does that almost sounds john scofield or medesky martin and wood kind of jazzy and then mahali picks it up immediately and this jam just kind of takes off into it that then slowly drops into this just heavy funk then the dance party just you know takes off completely from there and Brooke and gub are laying on heavy on a backbeat like it's, it's just so much fun it's
2: literally an indigo trigger indigo trigger like it's It is like someone pulled the trigger on a dance party. It was like, here we go. Dance
1: party. (laughs) Yeah. And at the end of it, when they're modulating between those two chords and it's kind of like they have that major sound for a bit and they go minor for a bit and the major for a bit and they're kind of like pulling you back and forth. And yeah, it's just hard not to want to get down during this.
0: do a 20 minute box.
1: Yeah. I mean like this, they had that, the ending of Indigo as they started to do the peak at the end, they didn't do the vocals or any vocals at the end. So instead, they just take it and it just kind of devolves into just the opening jam of like just a dank, dirty, just extremely intense dance party again, which is like not what I would expect out of a box, but really fucking cool.
0: I'm always down to dance to the box. What are you talking about,
1: Jeremy? <laughs> oh, I love the box, but the middle part of the box to me, I want like not necessarily a want but What I expect to get there is not what they gave in this song at all. Like, the fact that they they brought it, they had that deep echoey, what I associate with the box, the kind of almost bad trip in a good way vibes yeah. that they kind of bring on in the beginning of the song and, like, kind of screaming at you. Norb was going for it. Yeah. Yep.
0: Nice gub dump. At
2: one point, Brooke is saying, get the funk down. Yeah. Get the funk
1: down. So yeah, there was, there was a there's a drum and bass solo in the middle. Norb and Mahali do whatever, smoke some cigarettes backstage. Who knows? They come back after, like, a minute, but... And when they come back to it, they all start kind of grooving into this, like, just heavy funk. Mahali's feeling it. Norb's feeling it. And Brooks so clearly funny. feeling it. He just screaming at mic, like, get the funk down. I can imagine the crowd was definitely getting the funk down during that.
2: Yeah. So fun. That's why I really love, love this box. It, it was like a funky box. It wasn't like a dark box, which like.
1: Yeah. It's so different. It's so, it's refreshing. And it's like so well executed too. And the fact that they paired it with another song that's dark, but also turned into this dance party is just so cool. Yeah. And this whole show felt like a late night dance party. Like they they very properly delivered to what the audience was there to hear, in my opinion. And I think it's really really cool.
2: Someone give me a freaking late night total dance party. It has been far too
0: long. Yeah, I'll take it anytime. It just sounds like they're having fun. Yeah,
1: they're, they're having so much fun. They're clearly having so much fun.
0: Yeah, honestly, to like twenty minute box into twenty minute Frankenfoot, come on, like that's crazy. <laughs>
1: Definitely crazy. I mean, the intro to Frankenfoot alone is like three to five minutes, and it's gorgeous, and just slow slow swells as they bring it in. So nice.
0: So beautiful. So it's like you're literally walking through the forest to Frankenfoot's house. Like, that's what I felt Mm. like.
1: And in the very beginning, I don't know if you guys heard, noticed this, but I called it a rocket ship. Molly sounded like he was doing something with his guitar where it's just kind of a... Like right at the beginning where it's just kind of taken off and then they jump into the actual Frankenfoot riff right after that. And it was just really, really cool. And just nailed Frankenfoot lyrics. Nailed. nailed the solos, the, like middle solos between each other. Norb's solo was several minutes, really gorgeous. Good interplay between him and Mahali. A little bit of gub in there. Really, really good. And yeah, I mean, this was just, if you if you want to hear a good Frankenfoot, I really can't suggest a better version, honestly. There's no gimmicks. There's nothing that's different. There's no Mahali jumping at the front of the stage for five minutes playing the same riff, which is like sometimes fun. Sometimes I don't really want to hear that. This particular version, it was very laid back. The Mahali solo was short. Usually the Mahali solo is most of the song. So it's really cool to hear let the whole jam actually evolve.
0: They jammed a lot more in this Frankenfoot than any other Frankenfoot I've ever listened to. Like, I know a few episodes we were saying, like, all right, um, beats and green into Frankenfoot, kinda know like what to expect, you know what you're gonna get. Like, no, this Frankenfoot was not what I was expecting, not like what I thought was about to happen at all. Especially at the end of the show when they've just played like a whole ridiculous set.
1: Yeah. Well, you expect them kinda to do a quick peak, high energy wrap up and be like, okay, we gotta, you know, call it for the night. But instead they really take their time with it.
0: Yeah, like, Frankie, Frankie was here, we partied with Frankie, now it's time to go. Ooh, that was a quick Caterpillar.
1: It's really short, like, really short. I mean, it's really, it's, it's not only is it short, it's played quickly. Like, they are busting through this. I think someone gave them the five-minute warning as they started to play the song, and they're like, you know what, let's just do this.
2: <laughs> because usually these days, when I hear a Caterpillar, like, that's my highlight of the show. And for this one, it wasn't. And that's crazy for me because this is – Caterpillar is a song that I'll listen to every single day of my life, and I'm never sick of it. But I would go back to every other song in this set before I went back to this Caterpillar.
0: I mean, they were, like, really, really going for it. If you look at every single song except for Wildfire, was, like, over 10 minutes. Slowest, shortest song was 1309. Like, most of them were – we're reaching 20 minutes and they're trying to fit in a caterpillar. Like what are they even thinking?
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean the Frankie Indigo box section itself is almost an hour long and that's yeah. just three songs. So like yeah. it, they definitely were, they were definitely stretching themselves pretty, pretty long at the yeah. end. And we also didn't start the show until 1230. So this is a very late night set. I and mean, you know, I'm assuming curfew was around two 30. So chances are, they're playing, 225 someone walks out and gives them a little you know tap on the wrist a little movement like hey guys come on we got a few minutes wrap it up
0: i wish i was there i definitely
1: wish i was there i know there are some definite there's a decent amount of members of our twiddle community that were there i'm gonna i don't know how active he is these days but i know wild bill was there for sure because you can hear some uh going on throughout the show so there's definitely there were definitely some some familiar faces there and some people definitely braved the chilly weather and had a good time. I mean, Cabinet, I don't hear them too much these days, but I know they are kind of making a slow comeback. They kind of took a little bit of a break there for a bit, but I would not be surprised if we see some Cabinet and Twiddle uh, shows in the future, given that they do have such a long history together. And as we can see, they played this festival, and Cabinet has actually played TumbleDown in 2016, I think, as well. So
2: A few weeks after this was Friendly Gathering, and Cabinet played that year, too. Because I remember, because I was, I was most excited to see Cabinet going into that weekend, besides Twiddle, obviously. And... Also, throughout this set, Mahali pauses to say how beautiful this place is, this festival is, and I just love that. I really appreciated it, because that plays into the vibe of the show a lot. Like, they, it was, you know, he kept saying how nice it was, and happy they were to be there.
1: Yeah, um, the stage also, I mean, I don't know if you guys saw any pictures or videos of this. There's a decent amount of videos, actually, of the show on YouTube, um, courtesy both of yes. uh, Dave, or, you know, resident photographer here, and Mike Kane as well, but some good videos on there. And the stage looks really cool. The backdrop of the stage is a bunch of just pallets. It feels like you're going to a music festival in the middle of the river valley in Pennsylvania. Like it feels very down home vibes. And it's, I can imagine this closing out the like the peak of the festival, late night, a lot of the main acts played. Railroad Earth, I think, played earlier this day. Cabinet had played earlier this day. Infamous String Dusters played either this day or the day before or after or something. But there was a lot of, like, amazing acts and a lot of amazing string bands there. And to kind of give this electric late-night, punch-you-in-the-face send-off, I think, is a really, really cool.
0: There's, there's something about Twiddle and Scranton, Pennsylvania. That was my first show. And I don't know the energy there. And Twiddle is magnetic, electrifying. Yeah. The
2: perfect placement
0: for twiddle
2: at a basically bluegrass festival you know like if you're going to have twiddle come to this festival yeah you should probably have them
0: do the late
1: night uh, exactly i mean when you bring in an electric band that has you know maybe very very slight string leanings in some songs but is very much more of an electric jam rock band to a string festival you know playing the sunset sets are probably not what people want to hear but you put <laughs> it on at 12 30 you know maybe uh peepaw Mima got got their good bluegrass jams in and had to go to bed but you know like the kids are up late and want to have a good rest of the night and party a bit so they brought out twiddle and say here good luck strap in for two hours and i I cannot imagine anyone walked away from the show disappointed
2: agreed i would have been so happy to be there but i'm glad we get to chat about it now and listen to it till the end of time
1: you know yeah and for our listeners out there who a made it this far in the episode and b have it upon their will to have some internet which clearly do if you're listening uh, this show is not only available on Nugs, is actually the soundboard is also available on Archive. So if you want to listen to the show, it is both available for free and you can download it offline through Nugs if you wanted. Um, definitely go put your ears on it as soon as you can if you have not listened to it before. Or if you have, listen to it again. It's a great show.
0: Well, that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back with another episode in just a few weeks. Enjoy listening to Twiddle's new album, Every Last Leaf. Give us a follow on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts to be notified of any new episodes we put out. We hope you all have a fantastic week. Smile proud and enjoy the scene.